Well, uh, at level two, I required uh, double sight as my as my eldritch uh, invocation. Hello and welcome to the Legends of Loam. I'm your host and game master, Jonathan Banner. Welcome to the table. There's some audio hiccups in this one. Part of the problem with living in the south is cicadas and crickets and a bunch of very high-pitched insects that I did the best I could to get out of this episode, but it's still there. I'm Joel and I play Maud Brattle, level 4 Great Old One Warlock. I'm Heather, and I play Willow Lightstep, the level 4 Thief Rogue. Hi, I'm Matt. I play Barnabas Bulwark, the level 4 Devotion Paladin. The story so far. Our three heroes wake up to find themselves in a strange place. A series of trials to test their skills. They have no personal belongings with them. However, they are surrounded by pedestals filled with items of all sorts. After some brief examination and a few good skill checks, they seem to be magical items associated with the different deities of the realm. Willa grabs the first shiny object she can find, the Circlet of Milia, the god of civilization and family. Maud searches for a deity he knows and chooses the Bracelet of Acor, the god of the sea. Barnabas looks around for a weapon and finds the hilt of Amuto, the deity of transformation magic. They work together to get through the trials, but eventually they find themselves in an arena where they must fight to the death. Or poof, as people seem to disappear the second they drop unconscious. In the last few moments, Maud is able to get the upper hand with his magic and is the last man standing. They all wake up from this dream, holding on to the magical item that they had chosen. The next day, our heroes stumble across each other in the real world, in the city of Kingsland. Barnabas is in the service of Melia at the local temple, Willa is transporting a large crate of suspicious origin across the continent, and Maud, well, Maud is looking for answers after a chance encounter with a creature of ancient origins. As they meet and discuss what happened, the High Priestess of Melia tells them the best place to find the answers is in Hightower, which is, you know, conveniently where both Maud and Willow were already headed. Our heroes set out, but along the way trouble finds them, and the crate Will is transporting is stolen, and they rush off to find the thieves. After a full two episodes of hijinks, they retrieve the box and discover what is inside. An unusual sword that seems impossibly sharp, and highly impractical to use. Seriously, it's got this swinging blade thing that makes it incredibly dangerous to anyone near it, including the wielder. Anyway. After they rush off into the night, they have finally made their way to Hightower, the capital of the human continent. Now that our heroes have reached the destination, it's time to split the party. Willa heads off to find her contact at a rather sketchy tavern, the Fox's Quiver. Her contact isn't there, but she leaves a message with the barkeep. Meanwhile, the boys head off to find the Temple District, to gain access to the libraries of Scientia, the god of knowledge. They end up speaking with Priestess Vil Battlestone, who leads them down into the massive underground library of Scientia. Once she realizes who they are, Vil starts to grill them about their experience inside the Champion's Arena. The three of them talk into the night, and they forget about Willa. Speaking of Willa, she has spent most of her day up in the temple, waiting for the boys. Once it gets dark, she decides to call it a night and head to a local tavern for the night leaving word with an acolyte that she will return in the morning. 
The next day, Maude heads off to the Wizards University to check their library. Barnabas waits at the temple for Willa, and once they are reunited, they head back to the Fox's Quiver for lunch, and to, hopefully, deliver the crate Willa's been carrying across the country. Meanwhile, Maude has made his way into the library and met a very interesting librarian, Dagoon a Beholder. After weighing his options, Maude decides to trust this Beholder and tell him what's been happening. Dagoon leads Maude back to his office, where he produces a book covered in sea salt. As Maude studies this strange book and gets lost in its contents, Willa finally delivers the sword to her contact and quickly takes the money and runs. When she and Barnabas make it back to the temple, they seek out Priestess Battlestone to continue their tale. As evening sets in, Maude finally breaks away from the book and arrives back in time for bed. Our heroes head to sleep and have some troubling dreams. Having sought out the advice of Priestess Battlestone, our heroes have a few stops to make before they head back to Kingsland. I'm sure nothing could possibly go wrong. Okay, who would like to do the recap? Or should I just start? Want to give us a give us a head start? A lot of stuff I think happened last time. A lot happened last time. Yep. I've got like. It's been been a while. <laughs> so you guys finally got back together mm-hmm. as a group because you guys finally remembered Willa. I was excited. Yeah. Joel went and spent some time in a library with a fairly helpful beholder. <laughs> More helpful than I would expect out of the older. Yep. There's a name I'm hoping I wrote down. Dogun. That sounds right. That happened. <laughs> so this past session, you guys delivered, uh, Willa delivered her mm-hmm. item? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And nothing bad happened from that. <laughs> nope. Got thoroughly underpaid. I have no money. And yeah, everything's good. Yep. I am okay with it. This is okay. <laughs> and then you guys went to sleep. Mm. Did I miss anything before you guys went to sleep? I had a nap 20 dream. Yeah. Mm. Well, but that happened after you went to sleep. As you usually do. And I forgot to listen to the audio for that dream. I do have it written down. Go ahead and regale us with your wonderful uh, memories. Okay. I was with Willa, or my character Barnabas was with Willa, and we were walking towards the tavern that she made her totally legitimate deal at. And Willa is looking around for whatever reason, and the tavern's empty except for the barkeep. And when she brings me food, Willa just straight up disappears. Bray, the the one that she made that legitimate deal with, comes in, and then she walks away for some reason. I start freaking out because I can't move, and I don't know where Willa is, and that's making me uncomfortable according to my (laughs) note-taking. Let's see... The uh, music in the tavern just cuts to silence. As I look around, the tavern's just full of dead bodies, and there's blood everywhere, and the bard is dead. I wrote that down. Bray is holding the blade. A figure comes and kills Bray and takes the blade. I follow the figure that killed Bray, and he leaves the city and walks back towards the way that we came, and I hear a whisper, and it's Miriam, She's telling me to come home, and the dream fades. And then I see a man in a cage that is suspended above the abyss. I can't make out, can't make out a face. He's tossing a coin over and over, and then it fades out. That sounds about right. Yeah. Joel, did you have any other notes that you wanted to add? 
Well, I had different dreams. Uh, relating to that dream, not specifically. I had a little bit regarding the sword itself, which we learned last time, mm-hmm. leading us to our newfound quest of get it back. Uh, the sword is an old relic called the Reaper's Blade. Anyone who picks it up is said to go into a cold rage and kill until the blade is satisfied. We were really lucky with that. Yeah. <laughs> we were really lucky with that. I mean, we did just let it loose to the world. I'm not sure lucky would be the first word to come to mind. But they also both handled the sword and didn't go into a cold rage. True. We got lucky on some parts. We didn't end up killing each other. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, it is morning. Uh, you guys have have awoken in the dorms, and you guys have told each other about your freaky dreams, <laughs> and you guys were about to head out. Mm-hmm. Are you telling anyone at the... Uh, yes. Okay. I need to go stop by the Wizards Library to tell Dolan that I won't be able to uh, meet our appointment. Okay. And I would like to go back to the tavern. Okay. Are you guys telling anyone at the temples? I'm saying goodbye to everyone that helped us out, and... That old, long-winded lady whose name I can't remember. Uh, Bill. Yeah. I think it was like Bill Battlestone or something. Yeah. Bill Bill Battlestone. Good memory. I have approximate memory on most things. (laughs) So you're saying goodbye to some of the acolytes that were there. When Bill comes, not running, but like she got word that you guys were headed out and she dropped whatever she was doing. She's going to come and make sure she saw you before you leave. It's like, are, are you sure you've got to head out already? I mean, who, who all is here at this? I, I, I presume, like, she caught you guys at the gate getting ready to, not the gate of the city, but, like, mm-hmm. you guys got all of your stuff together and probably some more provisions from the temples. They would have um, they would have topped you guys up to ten provisions, ten days worth of provisions each. I think I was just running out of otter food, too. <laughs> that is your provisions, though. So they're giving me more otter food? No, they're giving you other provisions. So, okay, you're good though. (laughs) Um, She comes up to you. I'm thinking like as you guys are leaving the dorms um, kind of thing, before you've left the temple grounds, she comes up and she stops you guys. Are are you sure you you must be leaving so soon? There's been a uh, drastic change of priority at the moment, so I'm afraid yes. I see. Will, will you endeavor to come back and tell me more of your tales, of, of your adventures, later on? Of course. I will personally guarantee that me and Maude will be coming back. <laughs> okay. Hey. Thank I'm you. I'm trying to, like, hide behind them anyhow, so I'm not going to comment on that. Thank you. What about Willa? <laughs> Don't mention me. Willa? Who's Willa? <laughs> You can play at this game. <laughs> We're kind of like not looking at each other. We have our heads Specifically. up. Specifically. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Mod, could you tell that space of air right next to you that I'm not talking to it? You can tell the space of air yourself. Mm. You can't talk to air, Mod. You well, might then why are you wanting me to talk to the air? You're magical. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she says before you guys leave, well, I was hoping to find... I was hoping to find some items to help you on your quest, but um, here, I will give you the, this pendant. Be careful with it. And then, Barnabas, I have, because I've only known you a short amount of time, I wasn't exactly sure what you would need most. 
So I have three of the relics that we have uh, been collecting over the years, but I can only allow you to take one of them on your journey. But you may choose which one you want to take. Swag. I don't know if you so, would say that. Pro- probably not. Does that make sense, Joel? Yes. So whoever is wearing the Phoenix Pendant, mm. if you die, it automatically crushes okay. and will bring you back. Yeah. It's like a figure that's either like something that's just automatically done or yes. you can just figure out a way to do it as you're going down Fall sort on. of thing. Yeah. I'm going to take the symbol of hope. Okay. Do you want us to read these out for yes. the audio? Yes. All right. So I was given a Phoenix Pendant. That. It says... Which is a reaction that when you are an ally within five feet of you would be downed, you can use your reaction to crush this pendant to immediately restore HP equal to their level and temporary HP equal to your level. The creature does not fall prone, but does suffer from one level of exhaustion. I presume that if it's used on yourself, it activates it, the HP total for yourself twice. Yes, once as Since, actual hit points yeah. and once as temporary hit gotcha. points. So the same thing for the their level but yes towards you yes gotcha i got the symbol of hope is a reaction you can use this power when you or an ally within five squares of you is hit by an effect that a save can end you or the ally gains a bonus to saving throws equal to your spell casting ability modifier so you're a paladin mm-hmm. so you use charisma as your ability modifier yep. so it's just your modifier for charisma it's not the spell casting modifier does that make sense yeah so okay be the plus two that I have right now. For charisma, yes. I sure hope I don't need to use this. <laughs> and it's also a spell focus, so... Always useful. Yeah. Well, it's a spell focus for people with divine powers, so... Alrighty. And with that, she'll wave to you guys as you walk out the gates. I just imagine having, like, a very long, drawn-out wave <laughs> and just, like, saying goodbye or some other variation of yep. that. Until we're out and like shot. the <laughs> shot of it fades to like a pencil drawing kind of still frame, and the announcer voice is like, "What great adventure are they on to next?" <laughs> and it's just like the end of every single episode of Pokemon. We are navigating the minefield of trust. Um, great. There's that. So where were you going to head to next? The university is on this level, or you guys could head. I mean, you could head down to the tavern and then come back up. Or you could go to the university and the two of you could go check out the tavern or whatever. I was going to say, it'd probably be fastest for us to just meet up like at the main gate at the where we started in the town. I'm sure nothing bad will come from splitting the party. Yeah. I'm just going to go with Maud because <laughs> I'm still in a mood. <laughs> I really don't feel like going by myself, so I'll come too. All okay. right. Yes, we're going to the university. Alrighty. So you approach the university just as usual. There is that... There's like a fence around it. I think I described it like that. And then there's Mm -hmm. like a little archway with someone standing there. Yeah. Handing out pamphlets. Handing out pamphlets about like, do you have what it takes to be a wizard? Are you imbued with the power of sorcery? That kind of thing. (laughs) I'm going to take one. Okay. (laughs) So as you walk through this archway... Uh, Barnabas, you feel a little bit of, it's like you're pushing through, like, kind of a tough, everyone, we've all done that thing with cornstarch and water and made (laughs) non-Newtonian fluid, and it's almost like you're walking through a wall of that stuff. (sighs) Willa, you kind of hit a solid wall. (laughs) Okay. Um, and can't really get past it. 
And the guy who's handing out pamphlets goes, oh, uh, there's kind of a, a warding against people who can't do magic. Oh, harsh. Guys? How, like, how far apart, like, have we gotten by that point? I think, I think you would have noticed, unless you were, like, just head down, going straight for it. Barnabas would have noticed because he got slowed down quite a bit mm-hmm. from having to go through it. And once you get like to the other side of this archway, mm-hmm. you're fine. You got stopped about halfway through this archway. He's like, uh, here. And he pulls out, it's basically like a large button that he pins to your cloak. That should let you uh, in for about an hour or two. You probably should get out before that time runs out, or uh, I think this week the spell makes you violently ill. Okay. Thanks. Wait for me! <laughs> and as you go through, it's like it's like pushing through water. Just, just normal water, but you make it inside. Yes. I'm making my way towards the library. Yep. You pretty easily head straight there. Hey, look, we're back. Yay. Hey. What do you mean? We never left. And we just went into that void, that nothing void, ah. when the mic stops recording. Mm. Anyway, so you guys make it to the library. I feel like I should be dog paddling or something. <laughs> no, no, no. Once you get past the, like, it's just like moving through water until you reach the edge of that archway. And then... So I'm okay now. You're okay. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> it feels a little funny, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. The button is like... Not, like, passively noticeable, but, like, if you touch it, like, vibrating just a little bit through, a, like, a, there's a little bit of energy going in and out of it. And you guys make your way over to the library, and there, behind the counter, is a um, decent-sized beholder. Ah, Maud, I see you, uh, you you came back. I wasn't expecting you this early. Uh, yes, uh, sorry. Um, these are my um, associates, uh, Willa and Barnabas. Um, I'm afraid I had to come early to inform you that we, I won't be able to meet with you today. Our plans have changed, unfortunately. Well, I guess we can we can do it tomorrow. But well, uh, we have to go back to Kingsland for a while until our uh, problem that has come up has been fixed. But hopefully, after that has been settled, I will be able to return and meet with you again. I see. Um. Okay. I don't remember if Maude told us about the holder or not. Nope. Uh, yeah, no. Nope. I'm just like staring, just like big mouthed, wide eyed, a little intimidated. Well, there's definitely one eye stalk that kind of got low and is like looking directly <laughs> at you, and one that kind of went a little high and is looking directly <laughs> at you while the large eye is focused on uh, on Maude. And all of the other eyes have books kind of floating in front of them uh, reading. I'm, like, super excited about this, and I clawed that pamphlet <laughs> I got earlier. I'm reading through it. Like, I want to go to school here. <laughs> it's like, well, if I do have many more books, I would love to have you look over. But if this is how things must be, this is how it must be. Uh, here, and he produces from under the counter, not by touching it, or but, you know, just <laughs> levitating. Yeah. You know. Um, I've gotten a little used to it in the, like... Just like, this is fine. Yep. This is okay. This is great. Sort of way. He produces an orb that, um, it looks a little cloudy until you look directly at it, and then it is crystal clear. Mm. Like, when you try to look through it, you can easily see everything on the other side, but if you just kind of have it in your peripheral vision, it looks like it's just a clouded over ball. Interesting. 
Um, he's like, here, this should help you at least make your way back here eventually. I would love to know how your story ends. Thank you. I will hopefully be able to come back here again. I would love to go over more books with you. Yes. Uh, very well. Safe uh, journeys. Maud, you didn't tell me you were BFF to the Beholder. <laughs> it's like, do you know who the Beholder is? Everyone knows what a Beholder is. Well, fair. It's um, like knowing what a dragon is, I suppose. Yeah. Why don't you read that for our audience? Yes. I got the Orb of Unfailing Concentration. Uh, this orb has 1d4 plus 2 charges, meaning it has 6 charges. Nice. Hey, max roll. Do you mind if I write on the No, card? go for okay. it. The charges do not recharge, um, but I can spend one charge to automatically succeed at a concentration check. And once per short rest, I can use a free action to gain advantage on one concentration check. And I must choose to use this power before I roll. So you can't go, oh, that was bad. Yeah. Let me roll that again. Yeah. It's got to be, I really don't want to lose this roll. Let me do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it does require attunement, so you'll get that over your next rest. Yeah. I would let you use the free action without attuning to it, but the auto success you'll need to attune for. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. Um, cool. And then he will go back to his reading. Okay. And I'll awkwardly pretend that I don't notice their weird expressions at seeing a beholder and me just talking with him and uh, head on back out to the library. I imagine Barnabas is like near one of the eye stocks that's reading and just kind of like reach in, point a finger. <laughs> But doesn't do because <laughs> that might be rude. It might be a might idea. be, yeah. Reaching to poke his eyes might be kind of rude. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm like very blink basically following my out. Okay. Uh, you guys get stopped at the gate just long enough for the guy to get his button back. <laughs> you can have it. <laughs> yep. I'm going. And then you guys are out of the university here. Mod, I didn't know being a nerd was so freaking cool. Well, there are many things that uh, that come about from reading books. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yes, Mod. There are many things that happen because you read books. <laughs> All right, and now you guys are just gonna waltz right out of the city, right? We're going to the tavern next. Fine, lead the way. <laughs> I don't know where it is, so I'm just falling behind. Okay. I'll lead the way. All right. So, it's mid-morning. There's not many taverns that are open. There's even a couple that are just shutting down. Just as a reminder, this tavern is built in a little bit of a cave. So there's a little bit of an overhang from the next tier of the city that you guys kind of go under. And there's a few shops in this passageway. And then at the very end of it is this tavern whose name I don't it have pulled up. The Fox's Quiver. I the Fox's Quiver, that sounds, sounds right. right. Um, and it is, the windows are dark. Lively place. Yeah, I'm gonna try the door. It is unlocked. Let's see, okay. I'm gonna poke my head in and see if I can actually see anything. Do you have dark vision? I do not. Um, it is dark. <laughs> okay. Um, you guys see anything in should I pull up my torch? Like, it is, like, you know, you've been in taverns that have been, like, shut down yeah. for the night or morning, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's at least a lantern. Mm -hmm. If if the place doesn't have windows, mm -hmm. there's at least a lantern so people can see to walk in and out. And there isn't. Hmm. Mm, 
That seems bad. Um, well, I have I have Devil's Side. Yep. Are you telling me this in character? No. Okay. I was making sure yeah. DM was yep. remembering because yep. it's been a little while. That was specifically for you, audience members. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Totally. Yes, in character, I'm telling you. Well, a little too. I required uh, Devil's Sight as my as my Eldritch uh, invocation. Well, you have been doing some very suspicious things. It's making my brain turn a little bit. <laughs> Look who's talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the only morally upright one left. I'm just quirky. I'm not evil. <laughs> hey, I mean, what have I done that's specifically evil? I do have a note here about you being corrupted, but I don't remember what by power. <laughs> I'm not intentionally evil. I don't know what power, but power. <laughs> Babysitting you two. <laughs> so, so I have kind of like a spreadsheet of, of you guys <laughs> that includes like what your luck roll is at, the deity items. And then I have a line that I don't really remember adding <laughs> that says corrupted. <laughs> no, and here's the thing. For Joel, I have 15%. <laughs> For Willa, I've got normal. Because those things are correlated. I like it. 15% normal. And then... <laughs> For, for, um... This is like one out of ten or something yes. like that? Yes, and then for Matt's character, I have once. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, these, none of these... <laughs> this totally follows. Yeah. There was one time where I did something that might be morally yep. ambiguous. And like, I kind of know what... I, I kind of know what I meant by it all. But just the fact that <laughs> there's so not a consistent... <laughs> Well, because it kind of means different things for all three of you. This is true, I guess, but yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> uh, Alright. Cool. So, Maud, you are looking in. Yes. Yeah, there's some dead bodies in there. I'd like to use one of my spells. Okay. I want to do Detect Evil and Good. Okay. It is a first-level divination for the duration. It's concentration up to ten minutes. For the duration, you know if there's any aberration, celestial, elemental, fey, fiend, or undead within 30 feet of you, as well as where the creature is located. Also, you know if there's a place or object within 30 feet of you that's been magically consecrated or desecrated. The spell can penetrate most barriers, but it is blocked by one foot of stone, one yep. inch of common metal, or a thin sheet of lead. Or three feet of wood or dirt. Yep. All right. Real fast. Because my pantheon doesn't have, like, neutral good deities or chaotic evil deities, it is hard for me to do spells like that. That, like, oh, yes, there's evil present. It still works occasionally, mm -hmm. but you definitely get a sense of some celestial presence. But it's, like, celestial, fiend, kind of are about half and half. Because they're kind of interchangeable in mm -hmm. the Pantheon. It just kind of depends on how you... whatever. Anyway, you don't sense any items, mm -hmm. and what you get is more like a lingering sense. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, not anything active. Something happened, and there's still a little bit of it lingering around. I'm going to equip my, uh, my shield and my regular non-cursed sword. Okay. Because I don't trust it right now. I'm going to... Step inside. I don't think this is how you guys left it. I hope. I'm pulling out a torch so I can actually see what's there going go. on. <laughs> Matt, do you have dark vision? I do not have dark okay. vision. I'll let space of air walk beside me. Usefully let space of air. 
So with the torch lit, you guys see, well, you two, the people who were there before, Willa and Barnabas, you see a very twisted version of what you guys saw when you left this tavern. The people are about where they were, but they are all dead. Most of them have body parts or sections of them cut clean off, um, as if it was done in one fell swoop. Um, yeah, so you've got the bard over in the corner where he was. You've got the barkeep kind of hanging over the bar and a few patrons around the tables. And then you see the woman who you met with, mm-hmm. Bray, kind of almost in like the middle of the floor on the ground. Um, and she's the only one who doesn't look like she has been cleaved in like one fell swoop. She has just been, had her throat slit and that's it. But she is technically intact. Whereas everyone else has like a hand or arm missing. Um, the barkeep does not have a head. It is a pretty gruesome scene and there is blood all over the ground. Well, you were being left out of the items at first. Now you can uh, go shopping for them. Said the uncorrupted paladin? <laughs> I said that out of character. Okay, I could not tell. <laughs> I'll He's just... not speaking to me right now, so of course yeah. he couldn't have actually this said true. that. This is true. But yeah, yeah, I think we're probably going to be sick here. Um... You can roll a constitution check to see if you can hold your stomach contents. Stuff? What happened here? That's like a 10? Nope. Yeah. Did I... I know we kind of like talked to... The battle stone lady mm-hmm. about our dreams. I I told you guys about mine. Yeah, okay. and I mm. actually saw this too. Um, I'm gonna. So am I like 100 percent sure that everyone's dead? You know, the people that. Yeah. You can go and check people, but you kind of doubt with the injuries that you can see anyone would survive that blood loss. Okay. Mm-hmm. I. And it's kind of, the air is kind of stale in here, so this did not happen like 10 minutes ago. Um, you're not exactly sure when it happened. Can I do a perception check to see if I can hear or anything, anyone else who might be alive here, whether one of them or whether the person who did this? Yeah, go for it. Three. I think because of your unnatural sight, you see every little detail, and it's... Uh, Almost making you not want to pay attention to anything. Because it's pretty bad. Or you're paying attention to every single detail of the bodies and not really anything else. Depending on how you want to play your character there. Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly thrilled about the scenario. Yeah. So, I'm already pretty sure based on what I dreamed that the sword's not here. But I'm going to check and just make sure that Bray doesn't have it. Okay. Just to be safe. Roll. Investigation check? Yes. There was... I mean, you guys did not do the deal right here in this room. Mm -hmm. There was that room kind of in the back that... I mean, you don't see the sword on her. Mm -hmm. And it's not like... It's not really a sword you can sheath or anything like that or hide very well on a person. Mm -hmm. So unless, you know, unless she somehow managed to... Is laying on top of it somehow and you can't see it. She doesn't have it. You're welcome to check her, but you might be better used checking, like, that room where you did the deal. Okay. Or one of the, the rooms here that 
maybe she was staying in. Yeah, I'll just take a quick look around and okay. see. It's a nine. I think you are too distracted by the the smell and everything in here to, um, at least in the main common room. Mm-hmm. Is there an upstairs to this place? I forgot if we said. I forget if I said we said there were stairs. We never really just. Yes, there was definitely like a small hallway and like a private dining room, which is where you guys did your meeting. And the hallway went a little further and probably had rooms at the end of it. But I don't think this had like a second story just because of the way it's built into the rock wall. Like if they build a second story, they might be reaching the next level up. But yeah, I am going to light one of my torches and go investigate down that hallway. Okay, taking advantage of. The detect spell. Okay. I'll nervously follow behind. Okay. So I don't have a sword equipped right now. I have my torch and my shield. shield. Okay. Um, you reach the door that had the the where the private dining room. It's shut. Um, you see a few more doors down the hallway. You can go and look. Since you are leading the way, what do you do? You check the door you just came to. You don't know what door it is because yeah. you didn't go to that meeting. I'll check just the first one I came to. Okay. Roll me a perception check then uh, non-nat 20 nice so you open this door there's no blood there's no bodies or anything in here but you do see the case that y'all had been lugging around laying open and empty on the table in here and I'm guessing it's not in there nope it's empty yeah, as we like approach it to like look inside I'm like please be in there please be in there please be in there please be in there nope that would be way too good a look for us. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure it'd be much better. Isn't it just like like we killed everyone? True, but I mean, at this point. Yeah, we're gonna have to tell the uh, city guard about this, aren't we? We did kind of just walk into it. Yeah. We will tell them after we're done investigating. Is that all like of note in that room? Pretty much. I mean, it's it had been cleaned. In case they had someone important show up, but it doesn't look like it has had any use since you guys went in there to uh, conclude the deal. Okay. Right, I'm just going to like silently move on. Mm-hmm. Okay. You come to, like, you kind of turn a little bit in the hallway and you see five doors in front of you that are basically evenly spaced and look like, like the rooms that you would have in an inn. Two of the doors are ajar and the other three are shut. I'll go to one of the ajar ones first. Okay. If you want more detail, you can roll for it, but I'll just tell you what you basically see. Um, Inside is, there's a travel pack of someone's, and the bed looks like it was disturbed, like someone was sleeping in it and threw the covers off, almost like they heard a great commotion in the the main room and went to go see what was going on. I'll move on to the next ajar one. Uh, Same basic thing. The bed's made, but, like, the chair to the little desk has been knocked over. Like, someone stood up really fast. We're getting a, we're getting a narrative being formed, you guys. And, uh, I guess I'll check one of the, um, closed ones. It's locked. Knock on it. Hello? Is anyone there? No answer. Gonna try to pick it. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's a five. Um... It feels like someone, like, stuffed something into the lock to make it, like, very hard to pick. You can try again, but... You can try again, the check will be harder. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm going to roll. If you guys fail a check and want to try it again, mm-hmm. great. It's going to be a harder check. Fair enough. So... Anybody want to try to knock this open? 
Well, Wait, can I do like an athletics check try to barge into it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey. Um, Twenty. The door splinters and falls down flat um, as Barnabas goes to like do a heavy knock on it. <laughs> okay. Stark in this room too. The bed looks. Like, it's been made, and it, this room looks like it's untouched. Mm-hmm. They probably kept it locked so people wouldn't just wander in here without paying them money. Fair enough. Want to try the last two rooms, just in case? Mm, probably should. You go to the next door, and it is also locked. And I'll go ahead and tell you, the third door is also locked. <laughs> I figured. I'm going to just roll checks for both of you guys. Okay. Uh, oh, first hey. one is a nat 20, second one is a 19. You will be able to open both of them. Mm-hmm. We'll just do them one at a time, though. So you open this door, and there's stuff in here. There's what looks to be like a traveling trunk, um, kind of like an old steamer trunk. Mm-hmm. Willa, you notice that the stuff in this trunk is stuff that you guys used back in Freedport if you needed to make disguises. There's like a couple wigs in there and some makeup and very different types of clothing. Interesting. And along with just some like normal clothing and whatnot, but yeah. Definitely potentially sketchy. You notice some that's definitely like that is an outfit specifically from the civil states, mm-hmm. from Freedport. And that one is definitely a guard's uniform from Kingsland and stuff like that. Other than that, the room is fairly clean. There's some paper and, like, ink setting out on the desk. Mm-hmm. No, like, personal documents actually written on anything. Uh, not with a quick glance. You could do some investigation around the room and look more, but that's basically what you get just looking into this room. I'll do a quick look around. I will. Oh, well. not 20. Okay. You, like, you start to go for the desk drawers and you go, no, if this person has basically a disguise kit, they're going to be more than just like sticking stuff in drawers so you actually like pull the desk out from behind the wall and a couple sheets of paper fall down um, that had been trapped behind it you're looking at it and some of it you can make out but some of it appears to be in a code that you're not 100 percent sure what it is you've seen a few codes in your time but that was on another continent you've seen a couple codes so this could be code a or code b there's not a quick way to look at it and tell. That or it's a different language, but using the char- the common characters, if that makes sense. That does. I'm just going to stick those in my pack just in case. Cool. I might look over those later. Okay. You also, you look around the room a little bit more, and behind, like, the small side table, you find uh, another one of those wallet-type things Ooh. with that symbol of a tooth. Carved into it. I will bring that out and point that out to my companions. Guys, look at this. It looks almost identical as the other one, but it has... So if you remember, it's a circular patch with a tooth in it, and then there's like a small rectangle to the side with different bars of color. It's got a few different bars of color. Hmm. I think, Willie, you figured out that that... It at least looks like it's some form of rank or some, denotes something like that, but... What rank it means, you don't know. Mm, interesting. Cool. Very interesting. Do you think they're associated or behind all this? Definitely looks suspicious, considering the coincidence of it being here and them also having taken the sword before. Mm. Might be worth looking into, at least. However we do that. Yeah. 
However, Lathias, I'm going to stick the wallet in my pack as well. <laughs> Make note of what you've got, you have taken. Yes. Um, so I have two wallets. <laughs> two wallets of different rank and two pieces of paper with words on them. I guess there's that last room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This one also looks, um, it kind of looks like the first two you looked at. It has a traveling pack in it, but not much else. It kind of looks like the person got the room, put their stuff in the room, and then went back out to, to the common room. Other than that, I mean, it literally looks like someone just took the pack off and dropped it. Okay. Hmm. Those are only perception checks. 14? 17. 5. Okay. Sorry, Barnabas. You don't hear it, but you two hear a little bit of, for lack of a better word, like crunching, coming from back down the hallway. Okay, and immediately stealthing for a non-nat 20. Okay. Seeing that, I'll also try and stealth as well for however well that goes. Uh, non, or, uh, 21. Nice. Barnabas, you're alone in this room now. <laughs> Something's coming. Okay. Get down as best as you can. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sound of chainmail moving, getting down. <laughs> I know that pain. So you guys are crouching in a room. I'm going to, I mean, we have our torches on, so whoever's in there is going to see us coming, so. Oh, I can stealth ahead. Okay. Since I can see in the dark. While you are showing some initiative, <laughs> you are no longer a magic guy. You are a magic man. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. He says in a big, booming voice that echoes down the hallway. No. <laughs> no, it's like a very, like, breathy whisper tickling in your ear, Mod. I don't know if that's better. <laughs> I think that's much worse. It's like it's like AS. Especially from a Minotaur. Yes. It's definitely like how horses breathe out almost like the the like in the winter with like a big cloud of smoke. I was gonna say it's like probably very hot. Yes. It's like a, You're a magic man, Mod. But accompanied with a lot of hot breath <laughs> right in your face. You're yeah. hopefully nothing more. Yeah. Then I sneeze. <laughs> and there okay. goes our cover. Have fun with him. <laughs> so what are you guys doing? Um, so if you go back out the, in the hallway and you look down the passageway past past the um, private dining room that you guys were in, mm -hmm. you don't see anything. Okay. It kind of turned a little bit and then into the common room. Gotcha. So, I yeah, I'm kind of... barely peeking out the door see if I can see anything. Well... Since I can see in the dark much better than you two, should I try and sneak around and see what I can see for myself? So think of it like this. So, like, there are doors here, the private mm -hmm. dining room there, and then it opens into the common room. Gotcha. Down that way. I feel like we should at least sort of stick together. I'll, uh, I'll be in the middle, and Willie, you can be in the back. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess we'll two out of three sneak along. Hey, look, we have with torches. We have a map. Hey. And you guys have minifigs. Hey. So no. that means we're going to die. Where, where are we? Uh, so you guys just came out of this room here. Okay. okay. Is anyone still carrying a torch? I can't see if I don't. Okay. I that is going to, like, put a negative on your yeah. yeah on your stealth check. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Unless you want to just lead us all along. I was going to just, like... 
stay close enough to Maude to be able to see his, like, robe ruffling <laughs> in the darkness. So you're carrying your torch and dagger? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, short sword probably short sword. at this okay. point, because I'm paranoid. I will try to not stab you in the back by accident. <laughs> I think you already did stab us in the back. <laughs> Figuratively or literally? Yes. All right. So you guys go sneaking down the hallway mm-hmm. in a very Scooby-Doo sort of. fashion. As you get down the hallway, mm-hmm. you start hearing a little bit more crunchy noise. What kind of crunching noise is this? Um, like bone breaking. Okay. That kind of crunchy noise. Nice. So something horrible is in there trying to eat Yeah, you know, stuff. besides the... Besides the obvious. Pool of dead bodies and so, blood. So real fast, quick question. Did yes. you guys leave the outside door open? Probably. It's a lot light and I think we mm. would. I probably wouldn't have thought enough about it. Mm. I mean, I it wouldn't... Yeah. Immediate horror. I'm not paying attention to that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... I need you all to roll me one more stealth check. That's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Three. Uh, eight. Okay. Eleven. Okay. <laughs> With the three on the die. Yeah, that's not, not bad. Not bad. And you have an eight to yes, stealth? Yes, I do. It's brilliant. Okay. But... <laughs> Expertise. I don't think expertise. Gonna help me now. Nope. Expertise is pretty nice. All right. But uh, not nice enough. <laughs> yeah. So right when you guys get to about the edge of the hallway, it gets really quiet out in that room. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to draw a room real fast. Okay. So there's your outside door. The counters here. There's like a kitchen door back there. A long table here. The hearth is there. The bard was kind of set up on a small platform here. Some small tables there and there. All right, so bodies. We had the bard here. The barkeep was kind of there, laying across the table. Bray on the ground. Uh, There's a big guy kind of sitting and laying across the table there. He's sitting across from a dwarf and another body here. And a body here. I like how from this perspective, the door and big guy look like an exclamation point. Yep. Murder is exciting, John. (laughs) And then you got two people in this over here. Mm. That's what you see. Oh, good. Great. That's even worse than what I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. I was hoping to see something else in there. Oh, were you looking around the corner? Uh, Presumably. Okay, okay, then roll perception. Okay. Because we kind of need to see what's there. Four. Um, Switch dice. So you actually do see something. Okay. Uh, something that wasn't there before. That's kind of good. Um, it looks like someone has ripped out Bray's uh, rib cage. Mm. Great. Like the skin is kind of just gone, and the rib cage is also gone. Mm. Um, there's still some organs. Nice. Great. Yep. That is what you see. You don't see anything moving or making sound out there. Uh, you do see the door slightly ajar. Uh, I think something was in here, and it made things worse. Is it still there? I don't see it there, nor do I see one of the people's rib cage. Okay, I'm shoving past <laughs> to take a look. Do I um, sense anything with the detect? Has that been 10 minutes? Uh... 
I think because you were checking rooms and everything, it might it's the very tail end at least. Mm-hmm. Like it it probably cut out as you guys were sneaking that way, okay. but you didn't feel any change. Okay. If anything, like that lingering feeling mm-hmm. has shifted a little. Like it hasn't dissipated like you would have thought it would. So there might be something slightly evilish, maybe. Or good, because it's tech good or evil, right? I mean I'm sure only the best people rip out uh rib cages. Maybe she had an evil rib cage. <laughs> That's it. That's gotta be it. Yeah. Yeah. So I sneaked past to get a look and I got a whole seven of my perception there. Cool. You don't see anything, but you hear a little bit of movement over in this far corner. Okay, I'm gonna And it sounds a little bit like something scurrying. Oh boy. I'm gonna sneak a little closer and can I do an investigation? Sure. See thirteen. Okay. What evils has Willa found? Well I remember that we rolled initiative off mic. Find out next time on The Legends of Loam. I hope you enjoyed episode 14 of The Legends of Loam. As always, you can find maps, timelines, and other world-building things at our website, thelegendsofloam.com. We are The Legends of Loam on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email us at thelegendsofloam at gmail.com. Or you can find all those links and more at thelegendsofloam.com. Of loam.com. And hey, thank you for joining our game. Why are they half people? Because it's what I have with numbers on okay, a map. I thought it was going to be like... <laughs> no. Maybe they're really short. Like uh, the shambling corpse part. Yeah, that's, that's kind no. Of like, well, when he said you see nothing else, I was like, oh, well, we're going to be dealing with undead. <laughs> I mean, you know. We still might, but... It's okay, guys. I have turned the unholy. Hmm? I don't know what I'm going to turn them into, though. Chocolate. Put them out in the sun. Well, no, I would think that, like, making chocolate in this world would be very hard to do so we could sell them. <laughs> Crushing level rises as we go. So, Heather, you want to go first? Yes. Okay. Please. I'll take advantage of whatever I can get from that perception check, investigation check, too.